Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Really the vision for me is to help transform the way women experience well-being. How are we taking autonomy over it? And what are the resources out there available to us to teach us, frankly, how to take better care of ourselves? This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Hey, welcome back to the Cannamom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us here today as we continue on our mission of crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. All right, so my microphone is falling off a little bit, which I shouldn't have messed with, so now I'm holding it. So <laughs> hopefully it doesn't fall off during the our show. You still sound great for the moment, so... I'm very elegant, right? In is my it pearls. the arm? The arm is malfunctioning. It's just not the clip isn't on correctly, but maybe in the middle of the show I'll fix it. So okay, we have I wish I was. I wish I was there. I need like help over here. All right. So before we jump in, I just wanted to talk a little bit. We have some cannabis legal news in Massachusetts, Dave, right here. And you are the can. I mean, you're the legal guy. So here we go. Ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. A group of Massachusetts-based cannabis companies are suing U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland over the federal cannabis laws, arguing the laws infringe on the state powers, harms their business, and threatens their business's safety because the law forces them to operate entirely in cash. The mm. plaintiffs include some local people, some multi-states, Canna Provisions, Wiseacre Farm, Verano Holdings, and Jassy Seller, who is an individual operating a cannabis courier business. And it is based on the lawsuit points to a 2005 Supreme Court case, Gonzalez first Reich, anyone who's curious, that found because Congress intended to, quote, eradicate cannabis from interstate commerce, including both economic and non-economic uses of cannabis, the federal government had a rational and therefore lawful purpose in intruding on the state's own cannabis regulation. However, the lawsuit contends that in the decades since the decision, whoop, there goes my mic, Congress <laughs> and the executive branch have abandoned any interest to eradicate marijuana. Interesting, right? Yeah. Now, it's been a while since I've taken civil procedure, 30 years to be exact. It sounds like they have a strong case, if I had to guess, that it's, I forget what you call it, like selective, not selective prosecution, but it seems like the cannabis industry is being singled out from the rest of the business, business industry in a way that you would think wouldn't fly. 
Amen. So that's what we think too. So the this is literally what they're 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 seeking. So the plaintiff the plaintiffs seek to have the Controlled Substances Act, as it relates to cannabis, ruled unconstitutional, and prohibit the federal government, namely the Attorney General, from enforcing the law in a manner that interferes with intrastate trailblaze. I mean, sorry, intrastate. I have the wrong sheet. <laughs> Look at me. I don't have a monitor. I just have paper. Interstate cultivation, uh, manufacture, position, and distribution um, of cannabis under state law. So there you go. And it's Massachusetts based. And I forget the name of the attorney who's bringing it up, but this could, Congress is a mess. No one seems to be doing anything. Maybe this is something that can move the ball forward. And we will keep you updated, listeners, right? But that's, we, that's, but that's good. This is the way these things happen, right? I mean, it, it, how long did it take before cannabis was legalized anywhere in any fashion? 50 years, 100 years. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And so we, now- I, I say we live in the hundred, we live in a, the anomaly of history. We're in the hundred years where it was criminalized and all the stuff that everyone knows on my show. But yeah, so there we are. It's another way to get around it. It frustrates me the business part of this. A lot of this, we want it to be focused on individual health and wellness, which is what we really talk about. But this is another way to get around that idea that it's, it's treated like plutonium and it shouldn't be. <laughs> we have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, again, it took, forever to convince people to make it legal and now it's going to take some time to convince people that it should be free and apart from any of the these rules that clearly are born out of that stigma that is and should be a thing of the past i agree all right so that was my little canna law and then just a reminder for anyone who's been following my canna romance she's taking a break we now have chapter six on the website in the newsletter it's kind of fun in these dark and dreary days like a little can of romance check it out it's entertaining i promise you'll like it she's taking a break right she's taking a break do we need the music yeah i'm just gonna call, <laughs> I'm just gonna call that up if you bear with me for a minute we'll here and we need something something romantic and, funny there's um, a priest a guitar player a couple of sisters it's got everything set in cambridge massachusetts because you write about what you know Too old school? A little. <laughs> we'll work on that, people. We'll work We'll right. work on that. <laughs> Kelly likes it. Okay. And I do have a quick culture corner just because I just like to talk about stuff. So just quick, quickly, maestro. The culture corner. Okay. I recommended this podcast before, but all this stuff going on in Maine last weekend, was it last week? Losing track yep. of time, has really been on my mind. And I'm just recommending that you listen again to the Gun Machine podcast because, well, it's really excellent storytelling. When you listen to this podcast, you'll understand how America was forged by the gun industry. This podcast is connecting American history, government involvement, the culture of the NRA to create a road map to show how we got here. And maybe with this knowledge, we can figure out a way to untangle how we've gotten here. Because honestly, the last episode was about how the NRA has become a religion. There's been this cult around a, a weapon. And mm. and it's become ingrained in people like a religious faith. And that's not the way it's always been. The NRI used to be a sportsmanship group and it was taken yep. over. Like, think of what happened in the 80s. We're old enough. We remember this. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a good way of describing it because it is blind faith. It, it's faith in that flies in the faith face. That's just hard to say. That flies in the face of facts, which is why when a tragedy like that happens, the first thing the gun rights people say is, well, it's very sad, but it has nothing to do with guns. I mean, and it's, it just boggles the mind. And so the only way to explain it is they're blindly obeying that piece of metal, that inanimate piece of metal that they have uh, put up as, as some kind of false god. And it's, damn, it's, it's part of my language. It's frustrating. But this idea that it, it happened legislatively, like it literally happened. I mean, think of the politicians. You couldn't get elected without the NRA. Like we have given them this enormous power. Like we have given them by allowing politicians to be subjected to them. We have given the NRA a ridiculous amount of power that they shouldn't have. So I never really understood even the like I was talking about Springfield, Massachusetts. Why do we even have guns made in Springfield, Massachusetts? That goes back to the founding of our our, our country or the founding of the United States. So. Stuff I didn't know. This guy's a gun advocate. He's a gun writer. He's a, he's following like violence in this country, but and he's actually a man of color. So this is a really interesting story in the way he tells it. And it's just it's not like anything else I've heard before. And it really explains the gun 
world in a way that makes me think maybe we can undo some of this stuff because now I understand where I came from. Yeah, it's crazy it's gotten this far. I mean, Ronald Reagan famously signed a gun control act. I mean, think about that. And and now we can't, we can't get anyone to agree on it, no matter who the president is. It, it's, it's sad. It's tricky. So the gun machine, I recommend it just because it was really interesting, well done, and something I hadn't really thought about. So you might not have thought about it either. Very right? good. Yes. yes. Right. And yeah. I'll, I'll add on one thing, Joyce, for those interested in diving deeper. The best segment I've ever seen on gun control was done by John Oliver, of all people, when he was on the com- Comedy Central, the uh, Daily Show with, with John Stewart. So if you just Google John Oliver Gun Control Daily Show, it's this multi-part segment where he goes he, and he compares our country to Australia where they had this massive gun buying back program and, and massive ban on assault weapons. And their the, instances of shootings, of massacres basically disappeared. And why people in America are like, well, no, that would never work here. Even though it seems to work everywhere, everywhere else. Well, our nation—they're true believers. I mean, true believers can be dangerous. I mean, that's true. They're very powerful. Obviously, they're very effective. Just a few people created this this nightmare we're living in now. A few people believed right. in it and kept going. So, but of course, true believers can create hope and create loving situations and healthy narratives. And of course, that is how we could organize our lives. And that's what these ladies today are going to tell us about. So, shifting it up, you can be a All true right. believer and do good. You can be a true believer and. You choose how to use your power, people. So today we have two amazing women in the cannabis industry, and they are using their voices to crush the stigma. And I'm really excited to share their next venture with you. So there we go. I'm going to introduce them. Thanks, Dave. All right. Today, we have two inspiring women working in the cannabis who are using their powers to create a narrative around healing, hope, and love. Kelly Osborne Bruce is, quote, the canna mummy and is one of the very first canna advocates I met way back in 2018. She is a legend and a fighter and a true cannablazer and is using her voice to reshape the landscape of childbirth, cannabis, and equity in healthcare. And Ms. Kindness B. Ramirez is an advocate, author, educator, and all-around superstar in the cannabis industry. Her own story is one of healing and passion to create a space for us to understand the plant medicine as she is a certified holistic wealth coach mompreneur. These ladies are joining forces in hitting the road with their newest venture, Feminine Forward Talks, which is a transformative mobile speaking series at the forefront of alternative health, plant medicine, lifestyle choices, and the evolution of wellness. I will be joining them in Vegas. I am so excited. And today we are going to talk about their vision, their plans. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Kelly Osborne Bruce and Ms. Kindness B. Ramirez. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us, Joyce. (laughs) All right. They have huge, enormous stories. You can look them up. You can see who they are. But let's just start with Kelly. Just quick, that's who you are, where you are, and maybe, I know we're talking a little bit before, how you even know each other. (laughs) How you and I are how? No, you and Ms. Ramirez. Ramirez. No, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much again for having us on here. I have loved watching this show evolve and be, come from nothing to this amazing thing. Now you guys are yeah. even nominated at the MJ Awards. So congratulations. So is Miss Kindness. I'm in the presence of greatness here. <laughs> My name is Kelly Osborne Bruce. I am affectionately known as the Mommy, and I live here in Humboldt County, California, and I'm a mother of four and I am both kids and pro mom and pro cannabis. All right. There you go. And uh, Miss Kindness. That's faux, faux life, faux kids. Faux life. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm short of a basketball team. <laughs> love it. I'm Ms. Kindness B. Ramirez. And as I like to always say, yes, that really is my name. CEO of Club Kindness, also a Canamom, college professor, advocate for all the plants and all the things that can make us, especially women, well. And yeah, eager to be here talking with you again, Joyce, and can't wait to see you in Vegas. I know I got I know I got my dress, my shoes. I'm ready for the nights out. Okay. You're like way ahead. I haven't even started shopping yet. That's on the list. <laughs> I'm weirdly anal that way. That's why I need cannabis to keep me calm. All right. <laughs> forward feminine forward talks. Who wants the origin and mission? Maybe Miss Kindness, you start with this. Yeah, yeah definitely. Ahead, so when we had the opportunity to first take this series to the state fair, the California State Fair in July, 
We had originally called it Women Weed Wellness. It was truly inspired opportunity to give women a platform to speak about how they manage their own wellness using cannabis. We covered topics at the state fair that are around parenting, caregiving, stages of life for women. And then I woke up out of my sleep, like I do, with an inspiration to make this bigger and take it worldwide, quite frankly. And in order to do that, I realized we had to evolve into something that could be received more greatly by a wider audience. And that meant changing the name. So we went from Women Weed Wellness, which were feminine forward discussions about plant medicine, to just feminine forward talks. And this is now headed into a 13-city national tour with a van that we're raising for that will have a full mobile studio inside with activations that line up alongside other events, which Kelly will talk about. But really the vision for me is to help transform the way women experience well-being, really. How are we taking care of ourselves? How are we taking autonomy over it? our own health and well-being and and what are the resources out there available to us to teach us frankly how to take better care of ourselves mm-hmm. so we're putting women at the center we're giving them the mic and we're letting these leaders tell other women that they're there that they're available that there are these resources there are these options and you can do this for yourself so i'm really excited about that i saw it well i did watch the video of you guys at the california or the california fair state fair oh, yeah state we were fair. at the california state fair <laughs> I mean, the topics, watch it. I'll put it in my links, but it was really great just to see what they're talking about and who they're talking to and who's listening. So, all right. So that's your origin, your mission. So what's the actual, what are you actually doing? Kelly, do you want to talk about a little bit? Sure. So we are coming into a variety of cities. Like Miss Kynes said, we have 13. And our first one is here in November in Las Vegas during MJ Biz. We have a executive lounge that we have put on during MJ Biz that is complimentary. You do need RSVP and you do need an invitation. I did RSVP um, today. It's awesome. You guys should be there. Uh, Check it out. (laughs) Yes. And if you haven't RSVP'd yet, go ahead. You can find it at Club Kindness. There is a link there. I encourage everyone to RSVP. And during Wednesday, we will be hosting a short speaking series. And we have topics covering cultivation, social equity, marketing. Ms. Kindness, feel free to jump in if I'm Retail, missing Retail, cultivation, know. every vertical. Joyce is speaking on ancillary. Yeah, these are short, short talks that will have a live Q&A, which we're really excited about that. The tech is going to allow for women in the room to ask questions right from their devices while you are talking, Joyce. Oh, and then wow. at the end of your talk, you can look at the questions that were prioritized and answer them. So we're really stoked about collecting data. Well, data, yeah. I mean, and stories. Yeah, impressive. It just, this is great. This is really, so how this, so Vegas, let's just talk about Vegas. It's one spot. So that's three days. How long are you doing it while you're there? So the executive lounge will be open from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Wednesday is our day that we will have the most programming. Tuesday, okay. I believe it is a reserve for some private parties. Thursday, we will be hosting a morning brunch and launching um, the podcast that we will be um, producing alongside with the Feminine Forward Talk. So if you can't attend in person um, or you can't participate during the actual talk, you, we will have them recorded. We will have podcasts and guests throughout the year and series. So we're really trying to create a mobile speaking series that is engaging and really challenging people to get uncomfortable and talk about things that maybe we aren't push- talking about. One of the topics that we talked about during the state fair was women who are transitioned and how does hormones and cannabis affect them? And that was a really amazing hmm. conversation that I had never even thought about or even new could be a topic. And so it opened up my mind. And that's really what this series is doing is it's really pushing women, feminine health, all the topics and and pushing them to an uncomfortable point of really getting everyone to have a voice and be seen and heard. And so mm-hmm. that's really what this mobile series is for. And Vegas is our kickoff. Which our... is interesting to be with MJ BizCon, which isn't always the most feminine friendly you know what Joyce that let's go back to the mission on that one because you're right like that's why we also added a shuttle 
to the tour in Vegas specifically because we've been at MJ Biz for the last what eight years, Kelly. We know I've been going there. from the like I think Forever. I started going two thousands. A long time ago. So anyone who's listening no. who doesn't know what MJ BizCon, who wants to just like give a quick overview of what it is. It's, it's the largest okay, so cannabis MJ, business yeah. conference in the United States, simply right. put. It's where everybody yeah. comes, over fifty to 60,000 people who are in cannabis from all over the world to show up to come to this business trade show. But what happens like that, like it does in traditional trade shows because of the patriarchy and all the things we women have to deal with, is there's a lot of harm caused. Two women in particular. And so we talked about this last year. We talked about it the year before with Tokativity, Lisa Snyder, who is also working with us on this project. She really worked with the tour, with with BMJ Biz to get them to include a code of conduct. And that hasn't happened yet. And so this year we said, we're going to step in with some support. And that's why we added a shuttle to the tour. So we're going to be picking up women from the convention center, taking them to the Cosmo, picking them up from Blunt Brunch, taking them to the MJs. You'll be on that van. We'll all be going together, traveling safely. And so that's really important. I I heard you say that and I was like, you know what? That's another part of the why. Yeah. I, I mean, I've only been to MJ Biz once. I am 58. I'm not like going to a lot of parties, but I could still feel that I was not seen. Like a lot of middle-aged women are not seen and it was still a lot of men. And I talk to women in this industry. So when I see men, I kind of joke, oh my God, you're here too. (laughs) But this industry should be created. And I say it over and over in the image of the plant. She's a caregiver. We are the caregivers. We never get to do anything that's new. We never create anything new. And this is our opportunity. So the idea that MJ BizCon is, I don't know a foundation of this industry at this point, we need to have exactly what you're doing to prove that that is not the only way to do business. Trying to get Kelly to get um, the CEO of MJ Biz on the phone because the new CEO is a woman. Oh, really? And I think she actually reached out on social media and said she wants to come sesh with us at our lounge. So I have to follow up with her and I'm hoping to get her, get her to come through. That'd um, be good. Changing, yeah, changing I, ideas. Yeah. I just want to piggyback on like MJ Biz for me is like a love hate, okay? Because I am in my core of the core feel that this plant should be free for everyone. That nobody should have to come between gas, food, rent, and feeling normal. And so as the industry has become an industry and MJ Biz has become a pinnacle spot to sort of showcase and um, bring out new technology, new businesses, new ancillary products. It has become very overwhelming to come to MJ Biz because I see a lot of people who are in it for what they think quick money. And I think that they get lost on like the real point of the plant. And so we wanted to really also have a place where women could express their truth and feel safe and empowered and have a place sort of off like set if you will to have meetings to Mm -hmm. connect with other entrepreneurs that weren't in such a high traffic overwhelming overstimulating place mj biz is an amazing opportunity to connect with people to make meetings to like i said be up and up on the upcoming technology and just the heartbeat of the industry that being said it is like a chad fest sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be real (laughs) And we needed to change that. And so we wanted to provide a place for women who maybe couldn't afford a a full conference ticket where they could still participate, still engage, still be seen, still have sponsorship opportunity. We have sponsorship opportunity, really low cost entry that are great ROIs for businesses to participate. I think we still have some sponsorship available on on the tour bus on the shuttle too, if anybody out there is interested, but we really wanted to create place for women to showcase their work, their, what they're doing that isn't going to break the bank that will actually produce a real ROI Mm -hmm. um, for them and, Mm -hmm. and give women a place to have these conversations, to speak truth and not feel like they're being mansplained or someone's like Mm. chatting them and, up. And, and it and then the big gathering I, I just it's brilliant i think it's just again it's just great all right they're really they're really they're i like to call them courageous conversations because mm-hmm. kelly has mentioned that like some of the dialogue that we enter into might make you uncomfortable i mean this is i spend my life for the last 30 years facilitating conversation that's what mm-hmm. teachers do so for me 
it's it's the discomfort is a welcome part of any conversation that you want to grow from. You must mm-hmm. have some discomfort to grow. And so I like call I like reframing that and calling the conversations courageous because that's what we're doing. So we're giving yeah. these women an opportunity to yes, feel safe, particularly at MJ Biz. But as we move along the tour, it's not always going to be about a safe space. We are doing that particularly here. It's about an activation. It's about information. Yeah. It's about sharing wealth, sharing health, sharing wellness, and hearing it from the mouths of women. Because mm-hmm. like you said, Joyce, like we are at the center of this. We are the life givers, the healers, the caretakers, the herbalists, right? Yeah. Uh, the ones that manage the household finances, that that shuttle, shuttle the kids off to school every day, make our husbands or partners feel like they're the best thing in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, this is all of the power that we hold, but we don't get the microphone enough. So if Club Kindness could produce an event that would give women the microphone and I could put together the dream team like I did, we're going to take this worldwide. We're starting oh, with yeah. 13 cities, but we're going worldwide. All right, okay. So I don't know how you change the world. I don't know how you train the narrative, but these ladies are doing it. I mean, I, I say it almost about everyone I talk to on the show. You need it. You, you are literally becoming the people you needed. You're not letting people say this can't be because it's never been. I just, I see it. And I said this before to you. The women I meet are healthy. They are healed. They are using this plant medicine to heal themselves. And how often do you get to have truly healed leaders leading anything? So let these ladies do what they're doing and <laughs> create an industry that is um, focused on the individual and health. So I don't know. You talked a little bit about the conversations. What What do you like how when you're going to the cities like so MJ Biz is at the I mean, the one in Vegas is because of MJ Biz. Are you connecting the other 13 cities to other events or are they just kind of standalones? How is that working? Yeah. Correct. You want to talk about so- that, Kelly? Yes. So right now we have our tentative core schedule, if you will, starts in Aspen in January at the X Games. Then we're going to South by Southwest in March. Don't give it all away. Don't give it all away. We've got major, <laughs> major events coming from Lollapalooza. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a little. Festival. I'll give you this. But, you, but you're trying to you're trying to connect it to other events that are going to have people yeah, there. So essentially, yeah. what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a bridge, really, between the basic population and and what we have going on over here and we're trying to you know break down the stigmas and really connect with the communities that we're going into and getting the aha moments right Mm -hmm. the moment where you're not scared but now you're curious and you're asking Mm -hmm. more questions and more questions lead you to better answers and the more you know the better you can do right no better do better right and so we're picking activations and events in particular cities that are going to give us an opportunity to have exposure to a more general, broader population. We want to try to reach people who have never even experienced cannabis ever, Mm -hmm. or are maybe have negative feelings around cannabis, which are valid. And so we want to hear them. We want to understand them and we want to help them move through that fear with education so that they can understand how this plant could potentially help them and remove the fear with education and really push it, push it forward. And so we're purposely going into communities and events that would traditionally maybe not be where you would find cannabis. Um, That's good. Again, or you know, other plant medicine discussions, right? It's like correct. meeting people where they are. And, and are you are you going? Are you going only to states where it's single? No, rec- it has. It's that's what no. I really want to make clear that this tour is not just about cannabis. At okay, all. plant For, medicine. In fact, okay, the and healing. Why wellness. We expanded, yeah. yeah, is because we wanted to talk about alternative health, plant medicine. I'm even interested in going into New Orleans and talking with the voodoo community. So correct. really make it like this is about alternative health and all of the practices that women can include into their well being experience. Experience. We're talking about like we have speakers that have submitted applications who want to talk about like the intricacies of life and worth, life and work inside a system of the patriarchy, right? We have women who want to talk about uterine fibroid tumors and how cannabis and RSO has helped them. We have women who want to talk about mental health. I mean, the applications for speakers, which by the way, we are taking applications. For I was going to ask, I said, so if someone wants to get involved, yeah. if they're listening yeah. right now, how do they actually? Gonna connect with you because they have a great topic they want to talk about. FeminineForwardTalks.com. Apply to speak. And are there any topics you are looking for specifically? Are there any states that you haven't really had many applications where you're trying to get more connection with or any places you um, are trying to get into to- that you don't have an event yet? Yeah. I'll tell you, like, we have we have events in every state from Chicago, to, what, New Orleans, oh, we've got Louisiana, we've got the East Coast, DC. we've got Texas, we've got, yeah, mm-hmm. so just apply. Because if you're in an adjacent state, 
we could get you there, right? We've got people flying yeah. into Vegas. We're talking about physical health, psychedelic therapy, holistic medicine, women in business, medical science and women's health, the legal landscape of alternative health, local national health policy. So think broad health initiatives and just apply to speak. We want to hear from you. All right. And then yeah. I mean, you have a topic that. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's like, so in terms of women's health, I am a middle-aged lady. So I talked to a lot of my friends about sleep, pain, and menopause issues. So yep. that is yep. a big one that I've heard this discussion. How do we use other medications? Why do we have to use pharmaceuticals? What is another way to do it? I always say I came into this sort of backwards. I didn't know about plant medicine. I just thought it was a little bit of voodoo. Now I'm like all in. <laughs> now you're going to learn about plant medicine and actual voodoo. From the and women women talks to her. And yeah. psychedelics, I'm really, I'm trying to be up, but I talk about them every show. So yeah, so this idea that there's another way to heal ourselves, that these narratives that we were fed were really not so good. And you're coming in and you're sharing these new stories. And I feel like that's the way we're changing hearts and minds because people see us and you're mm -hmm. telling a story, it's one-on-one. -on -one, mm -hmm. And then they see that you're healthy and they're moving forward and thinking maybe they can have that thought too. So can I just go back to the California? So you were at the California State Fair. So the people who are attending, was there any pushback that you were having this session at the California State Fair? Was there are people like surprised no, you were there? Or, not yeah. at all. The State no. Fair was so welcome. That came via, so Chia and Patty Wait, of the yeah. Moms Do Weed, they were asked to do a live taping of their show at the State Fair. And I was the first guest on their podcast in, okay. a, a year ago. So they called me and they said, we've got this event, this annual event coming up now. They want us to do it live at the State Fair. We want to bring you back as our live guest. Nice. And I was like, are they doing anything else for women that day? Immediately. And then talked to the directors of the Cannabis Awards and Expo at the State Fair. And they said, if you can pull it off, you can have the day, do whatever you want. Oh, Say less. All day. Wow. Say less. You could do whatever you want. I got it. And so it literally was like, we're. they said that we had the most attendance, the best attendance, the best panels. Like the feedback has been tremendous. People want to hear from women about these issues. I think so. And they want authentic voices. This is what I keep hearing. Authentic voices who are, they can relate to, or they feel like mm -hmm. they understand them or hear them. So this is really important. And it's, people don't even know where to start asking the questions. I say this all the time. They, especially going into dispensaries, because those aren't always the best places to find this information out. So, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole reason we started Club Kindness in 2014 was to educate mm -hmm. dispensary associates. We're still doing that. That's the core of our work, education of the workforce in cannabis. But I also realized that in order to reach a broader audience, you have to do these big things. And because I'm not afraid to take the microphone and give it to other people, this is this is where I saw like we could do real work. And so, so this, it's, it's super yeah. exciting to me. I mean, I, I like to see what cause you've been in this for a long time. So I'm just wondering, kind of like thinking backwards, like, whatever you thought this industry was going to look like, how we're going to incorporate the caregiver industry, how we're going to make this a feminist forward because she's a feminine plan. She's a caregiver. We should be like, that's how this industry should look. It doesn't look like that specifically now, but I don't know. What has really surprised you? Maybe that's very positive that you hadn't thought of maybe instead of thinking it was a negative way. Is there anything that happened in this industry that, I don't know, any, like I think community for me, it's been a community thing for me, but I don't know uh, if there's I'll anything else in there that you thought, yeah. I'll go first, Kelly. You think about that. What's what yeah, surprised I, you? But I, I would say that like in a different place. Gonna, yeah, I know, right? Give it a minute. I'm going to take this off of women for the moment and talk about what okay. really has surprised me about the industry. Because as you can see, maybe not as you can hear, depending on how you're receiving this information, I am a black woman, and so that is the, at the center of everything in my life, especially in America. And so I'm really surprised by how this conversation of social equity is not going away. It's not going away. And in fact, oh. we are now looking at how can we implement equitable programs in every state as legalization rolls out. And so oftentimes in our history, it takes violence, acts of riots, force, rebellion to get anything for a marginalized community. So while I'm not happy with how social equity currently looks. I am surprised at the fact that it continues to be at the forefront of every conversation before we talk about rolling out legalization. And I just think that needs to, that that's really important. And why, but why do you think that is? Like I have my own theories, but why do you think that it's actually stayed in the conversation? We won't, I will say this as, as black people in the industry, we will not let the conversation die because this is truly our probably last opportunity for any sort of reparative infrastructure in this country. And so those of us who know that and understand it with big voices are going to keep on shouting it from the rooftops. And then I think our white counterparts and our peers, they know we're not going to let it drop. 
And so if you want inclusion in this space, you better get on the board. You better get on board. And it's just what's right. And I like to think that the fact that cannabis helps to heal us, it helps us to learn more about what's right. So consumers get it, right? Because we're more healed, I will say. I said it. I want to I just jump on this for a minute too, because how I've also traditionally seen it is that laws go into an act and then you have to spend a lot of time, energy and effort to go back and, and change the law or rewrite it or amend it. With this industry, it's new. So we're writing it as we're starting it. And what I have seen since Colorado, Oregon, Washington and California have gone from medical direct the laws now, so are those states that I just mentioned, I'm pretty sure didn't have a specific language, but moving forward, like New York, Virginia, Michigan, I believe has the, the language in the law, like they're putting it now in the beginning of how the money and the so- social equity programming and on all of that is is the beginning now. And I think that maybe is what Ms. Kindness is kind of saying is, is hopeful. While maybe some of the law and the language isn't exactly where we want it to be, and it's not necessarily perfect, it's not. It's actually really shitty in the way you look at it from where I sit, but it is movement forward. It is change that um, is happening. And I think it is because we aren't being quiet about it. We right. are going to our lawmakers and we're going to our political um counterparts and we're saying like we want this we want social equity programming in the law we want our tax money from this activity to be spent specifically here and we want it in the law and we want it to be so that you can't come back and take it or it's going to be really hard and I think that moving forward is really cool to see and I'm hoping and my hope is that with the more talks and conversations, we can push it at a national global level, where when we restructure cannabis nationally, that language is in the restructure of it, right? The social equity and and the repairing of what damage has been done because of the war on cannabis. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that racially biased policies that led to the war on cannabis. Correct. All the way. I hope that when we finally get there, that that language is is very specific because as we all know, law has to have specific language for it to be solid. Otherwise you get people that twist it and mm-hmm. end up where we are kind of now. Right. So well, that, yeah. I mean, I will, say, I will say from a policy perspective, like this whole rolling it out state by state has been a bit um, humbling, I guess, to try to see, like keep hoping each state will take better things from the last one, but it's not always true, no, but, but I can see that I can, if you're saying this is true, that there's a good hope that, you know, that there are people who are working at a national federal level who are focused on that issue. I know the Parabola Center out here in Massachusetts mm-hmm. is doing that work. A lot of federal people who are trying to think about this at a very, like being some, part of something new, trying to create something new and really taking it intentionally and being a voice and not just the business people. So that's good. 100%. That's hopeful. All right. See? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that can... Okay. Oh, oh, go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> I was just going to say, speaking of policy and, and us, yes, bringing this conversation to the table at every event we're at, what we're really aligning the Feminine Forward Talks Tour with is the passing of the ERA. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but women are the last class of people to have ratification under the Equal Rights Act. We still don't have the ERA ratified. And I want to say that here today on this show as an announcement that we are aligning Feminine Forward Talks potentially with our own PAC or other organizations who are going to be pushing this work forward to bring a lot of attention to the fact that we women still have not had the ERA ratified. And that is really, really important. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're listening, I need you to Google it right now and understand this truth. I mean, I'm a kid of the 70s. I had to like... (laughs) I walked around my neighborhood and got things yeah. signed for my mother. Wait, Joyce, were you even allowed to like take out a loan without your husband or a male? No, I'm, I'm old enough. I've, my mother could never okay. get a car, but I'm old enough yeah. to do that. But again, I went to law school. I did all the things my brothers did. More than half of my law school class was women. My classmate, Maura Healy, is now the governor of the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But I still ran up to all those things. I always say that's how I end up in cannabis. I just couldn't do it all. I felt like it was a personal failure, not understanding that nobody really wanted me. <laughs> Once you had kids and were a caregiver, that's where your brain. And I've had it's I've had a long conversation with myself in the world that being a caregiver is awesome, but I'm also have a very educated brain, and I don't want this to happen to the next generation of women because what a waste! Literally, what a waste! <laughs> so, yeah, w- women are people until the Supreme Court uh, yeah. says we aren't. Really important people. 
really important people. They're really important for our, I don't know, the world to exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really populate without us, so. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> okay, so that is my voice, and I just think, I again, the community of cannabis, I think, is what surprised me most. A lot of these women I never would have met around. I, have a, I live in a certain world. This really wasn't the space I was living in, and now to find this community of women who are healing themselves with plant medicine and uh, just building a bond. I think if you're going to talk about like what women were like my era, it was Sheryl Sandberg, lean in. There was one of you, like there could be one of you in a room, which is just crazy. So I think cannabis and working in this woman's space has barely been healthy for me personally and to help elevate these voices and share these stories and preserve these stories and try to create something that's different. So there I, we are. I'm, we love you for I, that. And that's why we're having you at Feminine Forward Talks. <laughs> All right. So the cities. All right. So you focus a little bit. What are like, can you just name like the two issues that you were really like, we can't do everything, but what are the two things that you really hope to accomplish? Or maybe even the one thing, the one thing that you're hoping to like really accomplish at the end of these 13 city tours, there's something, a specific shiny goal or just like a movement forward. Or is there something in your head that you think if this happens, that's what I want to happen? I, I mean, ratification of the ERA and okay. transforming the way women think about their own personal health and well-being. I want women to say to us after the fact that I sat through a Feminine Forward Talks, one of the events. I was at one of the events. I watched the series online, and it literally changed the way I think about my own health. I want to hear women say that sentence over and over again. Great. That is so yeah. good. That's, that for me is is the biggest the biggest why for me and why I'm involved in this. I thrive on that interpersonal connection when someone comes up after a series or after a talk or after listening to us and says, thank you. I have been so scared to talk about this, or I have wanted to talk about this, but I didn't know who to talk to about this. And I didn't want to talk to my doctor and I didn't want to talk to my peer group because I didn't want people to judge me. And like, Thank you. Right. That to me is the why is finding someone who is suffering in silence or who is scared or uncomfortable or like in a deer in headlight kind of moment. And then they experience our talks or come to one of our events and they no longer have that fear. They have built in community. They feel safe. They feel like they can speak their truth finally. And then they have support and resources to find what is going to help them the best because not everybody wants to smoke weed right and one of the cool things with legalization that's come out is the technology right we were able to isolate and manipulate the can cannabinoid plant and pull it apart and put it back together and and create these amazing formulations and and different products from edibles to drinks to vape pens i mean the list goes on and on right and so allowing people to also realize that they don't just have to like smoke weed to receive the benefit of the plant. I always talk with topicals, right? And so it's yep. really just like breaking again, that fear down and having people come up. So that would be like the biggest indicator for success for me, I guess would be like how many people came up or expressed um, that after our series. So we're deep in this. Like I'm always surprised when people come up to me and they're like, kind of still nervous but I'm it's it happens all the time so I know all people the time still, still well, really nervous time, about like, it all really so I'm yeah. taking some people yeah. yeah. like she lives in the center of like weed country in California yeah I do I mean, not I live in a very I mean, conservative are, yeah. <laughs> I, I live in a very conservative suburban community and I gotta tell you like I don't go a day without having multiple conversations with people who still think cannabis is bad it is, we are, we are speaking to the choir here, right? And so that's why I love like podcasts and platforms because we need to reach the people who aren't already in our church. We need to reach the people who are outside. And so, yeah, yeah it's not, you often say that like we're knee deep in it. I think I've heard you say that before. So like, we know, but this, this lady over here, she doesn't know. She doesn't know. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, we're still so needed. I mean, that's the truth. Oh, we're running up in time. Sorry. I'm like kind of running. All right, let's see. So it's happening in Vegas. I know, I guess, how do you get in touch? If someone wants to connect with you, Kelly, and wants to be, I don't know, just learn more about being, we don't need to talk about what you really do with the Canamami work and like all the, that's very, I, I was listening to your talk about how we're not afraid to like give women a needle in their back, but God forbid they should take a vape pen before they <laughs> get birth. Yeah. So I mean, if you're in that world, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, Canamami is my company and we basically 
are really niched in providing products for moms who are pregnant, laboring, and postpartum. And we use cannabis and other plant-based medicine to help with those symptoms and find relief. And so that's kind of my platform and what I stand on. And that's kind of how I got involved here with Miss Kindness, being a mom, listening to her story, listening to her birth um, trauma, and then listening to other women having birth trauma. There's no need for that. Like we're in 2023, about to be 2024. Why do we only have one real option for pain management in labor? And it's a giant needle in the middle of my lumbar spine. I mean, I just feel like we can do better. And, and we can. And so we just need to like, so that's my platform. That's what I, that's my core in my lane. But I'm also just, I'm a pro feminist, right? I feel women really deserve a mic. They deserve equal pay. They deserve equal opportunity. And so cannabis is in its infancy as an industry. And it really has an opportunity to lay the groundwork to say, we're going to be different as people are creating their companies and their organizations. They can really create it differently. You don't have to keep doing it like the nine to five, right? We can create work and organizations that I think you said it earlier, Miss Kindness, that meet people where they're at, right? And so, yeah. And then just living in Humboldt County, honestly, Joyce, watching legalization has been very difficult from where I sit. I'm jaded. So I'll just be honest about that. Yeah. But I you're still, but you're still again, you're, you're still here. You're still doing your work. I, can I see will people. never go away. Let me make that clear. Like until I'm six feet underground and shoot, I'm going to pop up with a weed tree after that. So sure. I'm still going to be here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, you uh, know, you're, you're becoming a wise woman. I don't know. There's, you got to go up there lots of ups and downs. I can't explain it. I didn't make up the system, but you're, you're there and you stuck it out and you have a lot of information to give people. I mean, I wish I knew about someone like you when I didn't, I was not a cannabis consumer when my kids were little. And I always say I should have been, cause I would have really enjoyed it more and I would have been nicer mm-hmm. to my kids. So, well, and, and I would have felt like, better. I wouldn't have felt shitty all the like, time. Take, take <laughs> cannabis all the way out of this, this conversation. Let's just talk about motherhood, right? Oh, yeah. Like being a mother in this, we were never meant to do motherhood alone. And we are I know, so you, I love that you say that all the time. Yeah. We are single parenting households. And I'm not knocking dads. There's some fantastic single dads out there too, right? But we were never meant to be isolated in these communities. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is innate about cannabis is it's communal right? Mm -hmm. So you have to harvest it together. You have to process it together. You, you can smoke it and enjoy it and and have ceremony together. Right. And so it brings community back together. Cannabis does. And I think that that is why moms, especially new moms Mm -hmm. find themselves innately gravitating towards it because it helps. So instead of restricting it and criminalizing women for finding relief in plants and, and just whatever that brings relief. Why are we restricting it? It really makes no sense. And there's zero evidence literally that supports the cannabis in and of itself causes harm. So, so this, I mean, again, this always goes back to policy. People always go back to policy. These policies were created by people who didn't know what they were doing. They were probably white men. I'm assuming all of these, and they didn't have a separate voice at the table, but we're here now. And again, like I said, until the Supreme court says we aren't, human or whatever they're going to say to us we still exist and there's a whole generation of women just like me and miss kindness and you and we're raising another generation just like us we're not going away yet so you're here i love that you're like a professional feminist so um, if they want to reach you through the canamami is that the best way to reach you if they want to connect with you you can find me at yep canamami.org all the social medias quick google you'll find me she's everywhere people she's everywhere and miss kindness if they want to connect with you find you (laughs) everywhere you want to be (laughs) Uh, yeah, kind of paid advertisement. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a walking ad with a name is kindness. I'm really easy to find. I can't, I have to be good everywhere I go. My dad's in law enforcement can never commit a crime. Cause you're going to find me. So Ms. Kindness <laughs> is my name. If yes. you want to find me and connect with me personally, but I really want to bring attention to club kindness because that's, who's doing this. Yes. Like I have an okay. amazing team that we've built over the last seven years. My pro my director of programs, Erica Fortenberry is just killing it. And we, I just was listening to Kelly talk honestly give me myself a pat on the back because I put together the freaking dream team like as I'm listening to her speak and I'm thinking about the people that we have joining us to put together feminine forward talks I reached out to to the people that I respect that I like listening to that I knew had a voice that I knew had the power the energy the ability the intelligence to help club kindness bring this to our nationwide and so Kelly's on the team 
Lisa Snyder from Tokativity's on the team. Diane Jackess of, of Joint Culture Project. She's doing all of our PR. And we've got two amazing fellas who are longtime friends of mine who work in music licensing and nightlife in the nightlife industry, fathers of daughters who are also very passionate about bringing this tour forward. So I'm excited about some of the musical guests that we will have on the tour, including in Vegas. We have Monet Medusa Smith, who is like the undisputed queen of hip hop. She's going to be live on our podcast. And we're merging like the culture, music, cannabis, wellness, feminism, women, all these things. So yeah, just want to bring attention to club kindness because that's what matters. And what we're really pushing over the next year is education through this tour and our workforce certification program, which is exciting, which is how we got nominated for an MG, our, our, NMJ, our actual training and education services that we do. So we love to throw big parties, but I want people to take away information that is valuable that they can use to have a better experience of wellness. I mean, that's the whole goal of this. Exactly. Oh my God. I'm so excited to see you both in Vegas. And um... I know. And I just want to say I'm proud of both of you for being nominated. Like amazing. I've watched both of you and it's just, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> this really is a community. All right, you guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this with us today. Again, we don't have to feel shitty as we grow mm-hmm. older, especially women. Yeah. We are the foundation of everything. So we should feel good about ourselves. And if we feel good, we can heal the world. And that is our mission. So there we go. Thank you. For joining us today so that is another show thank you so thank for you, my Grace. guest kelly and miss kindness and of course my canna bro david yaz and our canna mom show team i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the canna mom show where we're on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love kindness wisdom and hope thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers i'm your host joyce gerber this is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.